Welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carr. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. What, did I come into early? You were real closer. You're getting there. But I should have waited point. a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, you'll get there. All right, we, the, the new music is still holding us. But look, we, we have a big show here. Uh, obviously, we're coming on the heels of the State of the Union. We've got a big new summit that we've learned more about with Kim Jong-un. And we have Congressman Joe Kennedy joining us. He, as you may remember, gave the response to the State of the Union last year. This year, he saved it for powerhouse politics. That's huge. That's huge. We'll ask him about Chapstick and all the rest. And we'll also ask him about his home state senator, uh, Elizabeth Warren, who's in a little bit of 2020 hot water. But what what about Virginia? Should we talk about Virginia? Uh, No, no. Look, I'm I'm from the state of Virginia. Um, Proudly. (laughs) Proudly. Maybe maybe a little less so this week. Uh, It's wild. Okay, let's. But but, but seriously, uh, I was uh, in the. Chamber for the State of the Union Address, something that I've been doing for the last decade or so, you know, since I was like 22. Of course. Um, and, and I, I, I got to tell you, uh, there are some things you just don't get used to with, with, with the Trump presidency. Uh, the, the, being in that chamber with Donald Trump uh, as, as the president and giving the speech is unlike any other president. And I, I've been in there three other presidents. Um, the... Um, uh, the, the, the absolute hostility from half of the chamber, and he went in there trying to defuse it. It was a pretty extraordinary speech. I think a downright weird speech in the in the arc of the weird, Trump presidency. A weird. weird one because it came from. I've, a, I've seen some people say it might be his best speech. So, is uh, best and weird? It, that? It, maybe maybe they go arm in arm. I, it was just so different than the guy that tweets from the Oval Office every day to hear about the unity and the togetherness right. and the bipartisanship. Uh, and and it, w- it seemed like he went in a lot of different directions. There were some applause lines. He seemed to confuse Democrats about where they should be standing and where they shouldn't be. You had the specter of Nancy Pelosi, all the 2020ers there. And there was something off to me about the whole night. It didn't feel connected to the broader news cycle or this moment in politics where, you know what, we just came off the longest government shutdown in history. We have a president who is attacking in very personal terms his his uh, his his presidential rivals. And he said the other day that Nancy Pelosi is bad for the country. Just the other day. Now, did that guy talk to the guy who spoke last night? I don't know. But, you know, but he did speak about high peaks, bright stars. Um, He spoke about boundless love. I mean, well, can we just play that? This is the crescendo the ending of the speech. Listen to this. This is the time to search for the tallest summit summit. and set our sights on the brightest star. This is the time to rekindle the bonds of love and loyalty and memory that link us together as citizens, as neighbors, as patriots. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Not boundless love. He was rekindling the bonds of love. So if you Kindle. That's, so that's, that's, that's a lot like, of metaphors. You're yeah, also so it's kind of like the stars kind of like and the lighting mountains. It, lighting it on fire kind of, right? Yeah, and, and the bonds. Getting and, warmer, yeah. But is that... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, do, can you, you're, you're, like I said, and, and, and this, is why, this is why we tune into this podcast. Yeah. We like to hear your experience as a, uh, as a political director and, and somebody who's a, an astute observer of American politics. Can you please translate what the president was saying in that, uh, in that passage? That wasn't great writing. That wasn't great writing. Now, is it the president's voice? Yeah, it, it almost sounds like someone else is saying these words. Uh, mixed metaphors aside. It, you haven't heard him talking about rekindling the bonds of love before? This is not 
the guy that that railed against Lion Ted and Crooked Hillary and continues to talk about uh, uh, crying Chuck. This is not the man who has inhabited the Oval Office for the last two years. I think this speech was a, a vision of President Trump's presidency as he would like it to be, as he wishes it was, where there is uh, boundless optimism and enthusiasm and success in this country at any given moment. Uh, and and really no nod to the fact that we are at a very divisive moment in politics, uh, a, a, a very personal moment of political attacks, where this president has played no small part in fostering that along. Uh, among those who thought the speech wasn't good was Steve Bannon. Well, who just kind of didn't I, get it. You, you kind of stepped on me because I was going to read what Bannon said, oh, and then I was going to ask you who said that. But, uh, but uh, you, you know, but 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 look at what Bannon said. Uh, the unity, this unity speech is ridiculous. After you lose an election and box yourself in on this negotiation, is not when you pitch unity. And then Bannon goes on to speculate that Trump might not run again. He says, China, the wall, Syria, and Afghanistan, the three legs of why the president are coming, uh, why his president are coming together. If he blinks on China and he blinks on the wall, I don't think he runs in 2020. I think he throws in the towel. This didn't sound to me like a president throwing in the towel, though. This seems like a president to me who would like, he loves the pageantry of these moments. Remember, uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, threatened to cancel the State of the Union to, 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 to force it to get rescheduled. He had the opportunity to do this somewhere else, not in the House chamber, maybe the Senate chamber, maybe at a rally around the country. He didn't want that. Right. He wanted to do this in the place that presidents do this. And he got that moment and he enjoys, I think, the, the pageantry of it and hearing Mr. Speaker, the president and shaking hands and seeing those rap lawmakers, knowing you're reaching tens of millions of Americans. He likes all of that. And in that context, and, he and speaks there were times to something where different. He commanded that chamber yes. last night. There were really times where he, you know, uh, I mean, look, it was was not I, I think one observer I heard, uh, I think using your name, said that this was Trump coming out against Trumpism. Is that what the roughly what it, it was? It may have been, I may have written something like that. I, I, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But look, he he has he seemed to be to be reacting to a lot of the political impulses that he follows on an hourly basis. And does he, we're beyond, John, we're two years in. We've done this podcast throughout this presidency. We probably have fallen into the trap before of saying, is this a pivot? Is this a new leaf? We don't say that anymore, no, we, we, right? We don't like, that we banned that talk yeah, from the podcast. That, yeah. It's just not going to happen. We know who he is. And the lawmakers in the room know who he is. And the American public knows who he is. So no one's actually changing their perceptions. But this is a president who's gearing up for a re-election race. Think about that context of it. This is maybe the last time he's going to command a big political stage all by himself until his own convention uh, or until next year's State of the Union. In the meantime, the Democrats are going to be commanding the next year in politics. The president's going to be sidelined for Trump, not entirely, but sidelined for Trump. So this was his last best shot to kind of set the terms of that debate that is going to rage inside the Democratic Party for the next week, next year. And it's a different guy than we've seen for the last two. You're, you're, you're a little cynical. I mean, look, he, he came out uh, for lower prescription drug prices. There's actually legislation that, that, that uh, a lot of Republicans oppose that, that can get us in that direction. Uh, he came out for infrastructure. We do have a, uh, a national debt that's gone up by $2 trillion since he became president. So there's not a lot of extra money flowing around for that, but, but that won a, a big applause. Uh, the criminal justice reform, which is a true bipartisan accomplishment that Obama could not deliver on. When he says that, that's actually true. It was something that Obama worked on and could not deliver on. So he has done 
thing, all those won serious applause on both sides of the aisle. He also, Rick, came out against childhood cancer. He came out in favor of Buzz Aldrin planting the flag on the moon. He came out in favor of the D-Day landing. He came out in favor of ending the Holocaust. He, you know, I mean, he... Happy was, birthday. We had a happy he, birthday. We, we, had a, yeah. uh, we had a happy birthday. How many of those actually, in, the, in your decade I plus in the never, chamber? In, in Did you my, ever get that? In my decade plus uh, on the chamber, I, I, I cannot recall See? any other... And that was a bipartisan happy birthday song. Um, now he really he really laid it on laid it on pretty thick in terms of the sweeping soaring rhetoric. I mean, almost no specifics in any of this. But he did also come out against something else. Did he? You thinking about socialism? You thinking well, about no, no, late term abortion? That, oh wait, no, no, something else entirely. No, no, something else entirely. And I was told uh, talked to one of his top advisors at about forty five minutes before the start of the speech. Uh, who gave me kind of the latest rundown on where things were. And by the way, this this person said even at that moment did not know whether or not he was going to congratulate Nancy Pelosi. There were two versions of the speech prepared to be put in the teleprompter. One where he did congratulate Pelosi on assuming the speakership historically for the second time, um, and one where he did not. And he obviously opted for the one where he did not. But this person also said that, that this is a you know, a, a speech of unity, and it's particularly in the beginning, and it's really going to surprise you. He says, but there is one paragraph that, you know, we tried to get out, and we couldn't, and it was one clearly written by the president himself. Uh, let's hit that one, Trevor. An economic miracle is taking place in the United States, and the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous Partisan investigations. If there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. It just doesn't work that way. And then he went on to say this. I believe the time has come to bring that investigation and the other investigations of this matter to an end. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I, I'm sorry. That was that was that was not. <laughs> How'd that get in there? That, that <laughs> second one was not Donald Trump. That was from the uh, 1974 State of the Union of Richard Nixon, which has turned out to be his final. Yeah, and he said one year of Watergate is enough. Was he right about that? I, they needed so, like another half year. Yeah, a couple more, so couple more months, like, and that, yeah, that kind of wrapped it. Yeah. I, I, you know, he doesn't get to say the way it works on this, and of course, Nancy Pelosi and her facial expression. Uh, behind him makes that clear that the Democrats in Congress have a lot to say about whether uh, whether there will be more investigations or not and how that's all going to work. He seemed to be setting Democrats up for, look, if all this bipartisanship talk fails, it's your fault because you were so busy investigating me. The fact is, the American people just elected a bunch of Democrats to take over. One of the things they ran on was oversight. I'm not, they're not going to back down because of this. Can we call it a threat, John? It sure kind of sounded like one to me. Yeah, well, you know, he kind of I hate to say it. I hate to say there's nothing new under the sun because that would be plagiarism. But, uh, you know, you remember the press conference uh, the day after the midterms, which we all remember because of the Acosta imbroglio. Uh, He also said at the press conference explicitly that he wants to work together with the new Congress. But if there are they're going to go into the investigation route, then he won't be able to work with them. Um, So I I don't know how that's all ancient history. I don't know how that's all going to play out. But look, um, uh, I don't think I think that it's notable that he did not threaten another shutdown. Uh, I, I I don't know what's going to happen if he's shown a bill that has virtually no money for the wall. But I 
I, I think he's ready to move beyond this. He'll declare victory, I think, no matter what. I don't expect a national emergency. Um, but can, can we move on? Cause I, 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 Joe Kennedy's waiting for us. But I, I, before, we, before we move to, uh, to Congressman Kennedy, I got to ask you about Virginia, man. What, what is going on in Virginia? We now, have, we now have a governor, a lieutenant governor, the next in line, the attorney, the, general. the attorney general, all in the midst of a scandal of one way or the other. I mean, what, what, wh- who's next? And all are entirely different scandals. Uh, and, well, and, two and of the three involve blackface. I but mean, different incidents, uh, different, different alleged incidents from their past that they've acknowledged in, I in mean, different uh, forms. Well, well, uh, it, it, there's no precedent for this. We're totally uncharted, uh, uncharted territory, and it's happening in a critical battleground state that's only a couple hours, you know, a couple hours drive to Richmond from Washington D.C. So th- this is a real and relevant issue for national Democrats. And to 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 review the bidding, Governor Ralph Northam um, was revealed to have uh, to have uh, uh, featured a photo of someone in blackface and someone in a Klan hood. Uh, over the weekend, he said he did not think that was him. Uh, he has resisted the calls from every prominent Democrat, basically in the country, to, to, to resign. He has not resigned. His lieutenant governor is facing a, uh, an allegation of sexual assault, an, an unverified allegation. Uh, the accuser has now gone public with this allegation. Um, she is, uh, she is a, uh, an academic with no known reasons to be making this up. It's a credible allegation, we would seem. It would seem a lot of people are going to be asking why she should not be heard. And now the attorney general, who's the next in line, all three of these, these, these men are Democrats, by the way. The attorney general is acknowledging that he, too, uh, dressed in, well, he's not calling it blackface, but some version of uh, it. They, dark makeup, he Dark said. makeup is what he said. Uh, to, be, for, to, to play a rapper. That's right. That's right. As a, as a, as a like 19-year-old. Was, uh, yeah. it, it, this is, it is without precedent, and it, it is chaos in Richmond right now. That No one knows who's in charge, and they're in the midst of a legislative session. Uh, the Democrats are extremely proud of what they've accomplished in Virginia. Um, this was the state of Charlottesville. It's been the state of... Uh, of intense debate over Confederate monuments. It was uh, the state, uh, as I recall, uh, of, of the seat of the Confederacy. Now, I believe that that's correct. That was before I started covering this stuff. But uh, I believe that's correct. It To me, if you play this out to the, the logical conclusion, and there is no logic that prevails here, this is going to be a major challenge for 2020 contenders in how they navigate the very complicated politics. You have these three Democrats who are embroiled in these different scandals. There are all these overlapping calls for resignation and accountability. Who do you believe? Who do you count on to resign? Fourth in line, by the way, is the Republican Speaker of the House, who only got the job because because the name of a Democrat of a Republican got picked out of a out of a bowl, basically picked out of a hat. Because it was a tie. Because it was a tie. So you you would you hand the governor's mansion over to a Republican if these people go? If not, how vociferous are the calls for resignation? How do you split? The differences between the allegations. Who do you believe? Who do you not believe? These three guys don't even like each other either. It's not like they. Well, they're all rivals because we have a strange system in Virginia. You know, it's it's a where the governor is a one year is is a one term limit. So basically, every other statewide uh, Democrat is is thinking of running for governor next time. So. This is a perfect storm of democratic awfulness uh, uh, and finger pointing, uh, and I'm—I don't know about you, John. I—I'm I, just wondering how far down John Carl is on the secession list in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I don't know. I don't know. We check the Constitution do, on this I, as the senior, I, I, the senior I, I, Cuba I, I, White yeah, House correspondent. I—I yeah. I think so. I think uh, you know. I don't know, but I—I I, I have no intentions to serve. So, uh, Ooh, but you know, not uh, jo- the great Jonathan Martin, who's been dominating on this story. Let's I've get a rumor going. I've heard his name mentioned. Uh, Anyway, uh, just just absolutely remarkable. Look, let's take a quick break because Joe Kennedy is waiting right out here. We'll talk to him in a moment. Is it still a struggle to get that good night's sleep? 
Then maybe it's time to try the Purple Mattress. It's made out of a new material that keeps it firm and soft so it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Try it now with a 100-night risk-free trial along with free shipping and returns. And if you order one, you'll get a free Purple Pillow with the purchase of a mattress. Just text POWERHOUSE to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text POWERHOUSE to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. When it comes to hiring, you don't have time to waste. You need help getting to your short list of qualified candidates fast. That's why you need Indeed.com. Get started today at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. All right, welcome back to Power House Politics. And joining us now is Congressman Joe Kennedy from the state of Massachusetts, still gloating about that god-awful Super Bowl. How are you, it, it, Guys, um, thank you for having me. It was a long, dry stretch in Boston without a, a, a championship. We went a full three months without a parade. Our hearts um, go out. Oh, so, God. A lot has been written and said about Boston sports fans. Classy has not been one of them. I, <laughs> I, I, I care an awful lot about tradition, so we have something uh, to live up to. Full disclosure, Rick is a, uh, a Red Sox. I mean, a, sorry, a Yankees fan, so he's not. not and a not Giants fan. I, I, how they <laughs> yeah, do against yeah, the past. Just saying. It's, All, right. uh, <laughs> um, All those years ago? That's uh, great. Yeah, something. Uh, they did well. Right. Uh, so, uh, so much to talk to you about, but I, I want to start uh, with what it was like for you in the chamber uh, for the State of the Union. I mean, you, as I recall, about a year ago, were giving the response to the State of the Union. So, this is your chance to really give the 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 official response to the State of the Union here on Power House Politics. That, that's right, yes. Um, I, uh, look, I thought it was not unlike the speech that he gave last year, not unlike the speech that he gave the year before that, which is uh, a moment for, um, if you were not paying attention to anything else that was has transpired in, in our United States politics uh, of late, and you just listen to the words, fine. Uh, a call for unification uh, and unity, a call to try to address major societal issues like climate change and addiction and uh, um, uh, immigration, um, you know, uh, absolutely fine. Um, but when it comes down to the actual realities of uh, what we we live through day to day, he spent a couple you know, half that speech or so calling for unity, half that speech putting down uh, markers for hardcore conservative priorities, and the other 364 days a year actively trying to divide our country and not caring about the consequences. So I, um, you know, I, I think that's why you, you could see in the cutaways of, of many of my colleagues uh, that that speech was met with an awful lot of skepticism. Aside I mean, from the one rallying cry where he basically acknowledged that he helped elect a record number of women <laughs> colleagues of mine to that, uh, to the chamber. That was that was pretty remarkable. I mean, I, I thought that he it was written to kind of force you guys on on your side of the aisle to to applaud and it was clear that there wasn't going to be a lot of that happening. I mean, I I I was in the chamber up in the uh you know, TV press gallery and uh you know, it's I know I saw it last year and I saw it to a lesser degree the first his first address, his first address but seeing half of the chamber not even applauding as the president of the United States walks into the room, I, I, I understand what that's all about. But that is just that is not something that we have we have experienced in previous presidents during a State of the Union. No, and John, I mean, I think the the issue here, right, um, is that leadership matters. And look, if you if you are a member of Congress, um, it's because you care about 
some aspect of policy, right? Whether that's foreign policy or climate policy or healthcare or ag- agricultural policy or whatever else. Every member of Congress runs for a reason. You put yourself through a campaign for a reason. You care about this because it is too big a commitment to do it if you don't care about it. But it means, I think, for most of my colleagues, you recognize and to an extent celebrate the fact that it's a big, diverse place with different ideas and you're going to get an argument. Fine. You're going to have presidents that don't agree with you. Fine. You still respect the office. You respect the fact that 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 individual won the votes of tens of millions of of your fellow countrymen. And you try to find ways to actually work together to get to yes. I think what you saw last night was after uh, a midpoint of uh, Donald Trump presidency, a, a deep skepticism as to his desires, motives, um, and, um, and goals when it comes to doing what he said he wanted to do, because we have now two years of actions that prove he doesn't want to do what he said. And so you're, you're going you're gonna to be met with an awful lot of resistance because you sit there and say, hey, if you want to work on something, show us that you can. And uh, he has proven over and over and over again to be at best unreliable and at worst somebody that doesn't have a real desire to, to keep his word. So, so if, if I can just, before Rick yeah. jumps in here, uh, just in terms of the optics of the speech, which in some, you know, are frequently as important as what's what's actually mm-hmm. said, um, t- t- two things striking that I've seen with President Trump that I never saw with, you know, I've been in there uh, uh, for a, uh, you know, a Bill Clinton, State of the Union, uh, for, for Obama, for, uh, for Bush. Um, and what, what I've never seen is, is, a when, when he comes in, Democrats not standing to applaud. Uh, some were, um, yeah. and and also at the end of the speech, just running for the exits and and getting that getting the heck out of there even before he leaves the chamber. Were, were, were you in that category? Did you? I mean, what, what, what's your approach to those kind of symbolic moments? Are you applauding because you're applauding the office and the tradition of that speech? Or are you not applauding because you just, you know, you're not going to applaud Donald Trump? And do you, and do you stick around or, or were you running to the exits with the others? So for full disclosure on this one, um, my uh, wife broke her ankle last, uh, a couple days ago. And we have two kids under three. So I was at home <laughs> caring for my kids and I came down here uh, very early this morning. Um, so I actually wasn't there last night. Um, you know, you know, I, I got to tell you, that, that, is, that means two out of the three. You're missing them. Two out of the three. <laughs> yes, that is true. So I guess well, I hope the ankle's okay. That's that's, that's they, definitely the priority. It know? is a. Uh, it has. She will be. She will be fine. Thankfully, um, a broken ankle with two kids under three is oh um, not ideal. Because um, as you can imagine, um, it means that um, good old dad is um, trying to run around and make all things work. Which um, for a guy that struggles to <laughs> not burn toast is not been the the most productive. Um, couple of days in our, our household, but regardless. But what would um, your approach be? Would you applaud? So I can tell you how I how I handled my first, because I was there for the, the his first um, mm-hmm. State of the Union, which I guess was not officially dubbed that, um, but the first joint address. And I, John, I mean, look, I have my deep disagreements with not only the policies that this administration has put forth, but um, I think equally as significant, if not more significantly, the way in which he has tried to enact them. Um, and those are those are deep differences. I acknowledge, though, and I think it's important um, for all of us to to acknowledge that there are 63 million Americans whose voice counts just as much as mine and whose vote counts just as much as mine that voted for him. 
and that wanted him to be the president of the United States and that um, believe that uh, that and want him to succeed. And we you heard from Stacey Abrams, our, our uh, the Demo- who gave the Democratic response last night, who said that she's got her disagreements with him, but she wants him to be able to succeed. Um, and I. I wish the best for this president. I hope he is able to unify the country. I hope he will, we will be able to work with uh, him and Republicans in both chambers on addressing a number of these issues. What I think you've seen is a deep skepticism as to whether he's actually committed to that rhetoric and language, because working with both chambers also then means that you're willing to to give something in order to get to a compromise that will enjoy broad bipartisan support. He has <clears throat> he has done that um, at rare moments, right? He, we did pass a big criminal justice reform bill that was passed both chambers by large majorities, um, and so I I hope he he would take an example like that towards the end of you know, passed just recently towards the end of that um, the last Congress, and say hey if we can do something big and bold like that let's do it again and I. I I guarantee you that um, there's going to be plenty of us here that believe that government has an essential role to play in addressing many of these inequities we still see across our society and that are willing to do so. Uh, We're just looking for some sort of commitment and reliability out of this White House to do it. Bottom line, after after, uh, the State of the Union, are we closer to or farther from another or a deal that would avert a government shutdown at the end of next week. The big issue that's nominated 2019 so far that almost wasn't remarked upon last night. Right. So I think um, I hope we're I hope we're going to be closer. And candidly, I, I'm not so sure how much the president's rhetoric last night actually. I'm not so sure how much it moves the needle. The the reality is, I think, from somebody that that now has been on Capitol Hill for for a couple of years, when it comes down to <clears throat> seasoned veterans here trying to find a way to cut a deal. We can. There will be a way to cut a deal. Um, part of the challenge is then, will the president endorse it or not? Um, I remember uh, hearing from, particularly from uh, friends of my my late uncle, Senator Kennedy, talk about how um, for folks that have been in the Senate for a while, when they were in the majority and in the minority, and knowing that. The, the, the power flips, but that obviously even in the Senate minority, folks aren't powerless. But why there is then a commitment and a recognition that it is important for those even who are out of power to be able to try to address some of their priorities, because at some point in a not too distant future, those those roles are going to flip. And so it is worth trying to actually create a compromise that everybody can get behind or as many people as possible can get behind. And I think that's still some sentiment here, and I would hope that that's going to be part of the sentiment in in the House, given a, a for the first time, a number of my Republican colleagues are starting to experience what it's like to be in the minority, and it ain't it ain't the best. Um, so let's, uh, I, I expect that our, 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 our legislators here in the House and Senate working on the, the conference committee is going to be able to come up with something. I hope the president will support that and support those efforts and not try to pour cold water on them or drive those um, segments apart um, so that he can, again, placate a deeply conservative base on a deeply divisive issue, which, by the way, is not that the, his base's perspective on this is not anywhere close to reflective of the desires for the vast majority of Americans. 
another way to look at the State of the Union is something of a kickoff for the president's reelection campaign. Uh, as John pointed out, there was probably a baker's dozen worth of, uh, of Democratic presidential hopefuls who were staring back at President Trump, in addition to Nancy Pelosi Only looming over doesn't? the shoulder. Only that. Oh, so you weren't there. conservative count. But you, you weren't there. <laughs> I, maybe maybe 14 if, uh, if Congressman Kennedy well, was that's, there. Well, right. that's, the, that's the straightforward next question. Right. Will you be a candidate for president in 2020? No. Uh, I... I um, I think there's there's a going to be a full field on that. I have, <laughs> as I as I articulated a second ago, my my hands full at the moment with <laughs> um, with two very young kids uh, spending an awful lot of days away from them already, um, and trying to figure out how not to burn toast. So um, I I've got enough on my plate. Um, I think it is a critically important election. Uh, I actually am one of those folks that encourage a big broad field in this because I think we are at a time. Our, our country's in, in a transition, economic, societal, um, culturally. And um, you see, you can feel the parties moving through this and trying to figure out what's coming next. And, and a big piece of this is having candidates out there that not only have the values and vision that I think are reflective of our country, but um, giving an electorate the chance to actually see those candidates and for us to be able to determine whose finger is best on the pulse. Do you plan to endorse a candidate? Um I, I I probably will at some point. I look. I think that the the for me the biggest issue out there, which I don't think a whole lot of folks have addressed yet. And look, there, there's obviously a number of them, from healthcare to, to immigration to taxes to, to climate change. The biggest one out there um, that I've been kind of stumbled across, candidly, but um, I've been trying to give an awful lot of thought to is uh, the issue that I think connects the rest of these is about an economy that just is not actually working all that well for the vast majority of Americans. And you hear the president talk about <coughs> stock price, and you can hear him talk about stock buybacks or employment numbers, as he did last night. Um, I've got a job where you get to talk to an awful lot of people. There are so many families out there that come, come at least mentioned to me, of saying just how hard it is in order to make ends meet. And it is okay in this country for success to be an achievement, um, but you shouldn't have to come back at home and have your head at the pillow completely and totally exhausted and terrified that tomorrow is going to be worse than today. And I think as we start to, as I start to pull back some of the layers on this, this is a broad and deep and wide chasm that has been created that not only we see the, the impacts on that on income inequality and wealth inequality, but it is part of the, the issues that are fusing these extremely contentious debate around immigration. It, we see it viscerally in a healthcare system. You see it um, obviously exacerbated by uh, a tax bill that went through uh, Congress. Um, you see it as part of the reasons why we have not addressed climate change and why we, we continue not to. And so I, I would encourage our candidates um, and anybody on either side of the aisle to actually spend an awful lot of thought and effort on trying to address how that our capital system needs to get reformed on the understanding that it is writ large and without question um, the system that has pulled more people out of poverty and created more prosperity and, than any other system in human history. Congressman so, Kennedy, you're, you're a senior senator, the woman who holds the Senate seat that your uncle once held, uh, is going to be in Lawrence, Mass., over the weekend making uh, a big big announcement. Uh, a, a headline in the Washington Post that struck just before the, 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 the State of the Union last night that found fresh evidence of her uh, describing her ethnicity on a form, writing it down in, in block letters as American Indian. Another apology 
apology from her about the way she's used her ethnicity. Are you concerned at how this is being handled, and what's, what would be your advice to her going forward? Look, I think um, Senator Warren is an incredibly um, powerful uh, voice in our party, particularly on the issues that I just uh, addressed, and I expect that um, – uh, should she decide to uh, fully announce for the presidency that that's going to be the, the centerpiece of that campaign, and I, I encourage her to do that. I've known um, Senator Warren from the time that I was a, uh, a lowly student in her class um, in contracts and bankruptcy, and I will tell you, uh, as long as I've known her, um, she is um, she was as talented and uh, dedicated a lawyer, a teacher, professor, and senator that I have ever met, and so I. Um, I think that she has um, tried to present a full accounting for this. I, um, I, I think she um, was right to issue that apology, and I think that um, the campaign itself, um, I expect, is for for all of our candidates, is going to should be about these issues around a system that is. Um, disenfranchising in so many ways a large part of our electorate. And I think that's where Senator Warren has a particularly powerful voice. You know, your uncle uh, Ted uh, had a um, had a, had a policy, uh, an informal policy, I suppose, that when somebody from Massachusetts runs for president, Democratic nomination, that candidate has his support. It led him to endorse John Kerry, who prob- he probably would have endorsed no matter where he was from, but also Paul Songus, who he maybe would not have endorsed. Um, but it also gave to him caucus. easy to caucus. He has a lot of Massachusetts guys running. Keeps for that happening thing, for it? some yeah. reason, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> but not you know, Mitt Romney. Uh, but um, but but it, it also enabled him to kind of stay out of primaries because it was an easy, you know, look, I can't. I'm I'm, I'm with with the home state candidate. Is that a, is that a, is that a Joe Kennedy policy as well? <laughs> Um, I have not had the um, luxury or uh, tenure that my my uncle had in the United States Senate. I, I don't think I've been alive for quite as long as he was actually a senator. Um, <laughs> yes. So um, no policy um, yet. But <laughs> but I think um, look, I I, I think the, the right anyway for me the the metric in this isn't necessarily a home state. It's going to be who uh, which candidates out there are. Um, if any, are articulating uh, these uh, attention to the issues that I think matter most. Um, and she's one that, that has. So um, we'll see. Before we let you go, I, I just have to ask, uh, because it's the question that we always get about you and you probably get about yourself. Did you give Stacey Abrams some chapstick? Is there, is there, some, <laughs> is there a Joe Kennedy policy toward uh, lip lubricants and uh, State of the Union responses? I'm just going to say um, I uh, enjoyed watching Miss Abrams on television last night. I thought uh, uh, she looked, she sounded great. She did great. She looked great. And um, it appeared to me that she left her chapstick in her bag, which is exactly the advice that I gave her. So um, that was a hard lesson earned, but or learned, but it was a lesson learned um, well. So, you know, right. I had to pass it along. All right, Joe Kennedy, uh, thank you for joining us here on Power House Politics, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, guys, thanks so much. Go Pats. Appreciate thanks, Congressman. Appreciate right. it. Take care. Okay, we, can we edit out that Go Pats part? Yeah, we'll get that. We'll get that. Get Trevor, get Trevor. That won't make it. That won't make it. That won't You know, one of the interesting things about Congressman Joe Kennedy is he is somebody who has developed genuine friendships with Republicans in the House. And. You know he's he's a he's a liberal Democrat, but he's but he's um, he is one that I I think uh, you know 
is 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 looking for ways to appeal to the voters who who left the Democrats to vote for uh, to you know to vote for uh, for Trump, Donald Trump. And I'll say this about him as well. What I've heard from colleagues is he doesn't act like a Kennedy when he came in there. He didn't act as if there was entitled to anything. Now, wait a minute. What are you saying, man? As as somebody who's good friends with with, with more than a a couple Kennedys, you know. The the sense of, of... Maybe, maybe wrongly earned by others in his family of yeah. presumptuousness around around the position. He's worked for this. He worked as a DA uh, at a low level. He's already resisted calls for him to go and become the next Senator Kennedy. Yep. Uh, he was someone who was identified to me you know, back when I was at the Boston Globe 15 years ago, 10 years ago, covering uh, Senator Ted Kennedy as someone to watch as maybe the next senator or even President Kennedy. And I think he is the real deal in that sense. And I think uh, the, him, him holding out the possibility of an endorsement, we have seen as as we as we covered uh, just last week in our podcast in the conversation about the Carter Kennedy primary. We've seen Kennedys play huge roles in presidential primaries yes. going uh, back decades. Uh, absolutely, particularly his uncle, and I. It would not surprise me. Uh, also, uh, Caroline Kennedy, obviously right. with 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 Obama. Um, you know, he's he's also going to be. I would imagine clearly on a short list for VP, almost whoever is the nominee. Unless it's someone from Massachusetts. Unless that's, it's somebody right. from Massachusetts. Unless it's Elizabeth Warren. Right. That's right. Uh, maybe maybe that's why it might be a good reason to do away with that uh, that home state endorsement uh, caveat. All right. Look, we are out of time. This has been a big day here. Uh, thank you for joining us in Powerhouse Politics. We will be back next week.